100% dependency on the Lord. Like, I think you you learn dependency through living life with God, right? Like, in my 20s, I love to put on my hero cape and just be like, God, I can do this for you. <laughs> you know, like, I'm so intense. I can absolutely bring this breakthrough for you. And... And the Lord, He's so kind, right? Like, He's just like, oh, I love your passion. And then as you commit to the Lord, there's just, there's this beautiful place where it's just dependency. Like, you, he, he, in my, in the secret part of my life, like, meaning the hiddenness of my marriage, my children, all this stuff, He, it, He worked out all of that self-sufficiency, you know, and I think I do think my illness had a lot to do with it. I've often wondered what would I have been able to do without this illness? Like there's I'm like, wow, Lord, I could have done so much more. <laughs> and then and then I'm like, but would I know you in the way I know you? Like would I would I have learned this steady patience with you and would I be who I am today? I, I don't know that I, I would have. And I know this might mess with some people's theology. But I think the yeah, the gift of the gift of my illness is that it's created a tremendous desperation for the God of the everyday. And I have had to depend on the God that shows up for every single day. Friends, it's Morgan, and welcome back to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. We have a series that is an honor and a delight to dive into, starting with this first episode. But before we turn that corner, I want to announce a really beautiful tool and weapon for your arsenal that we are releasing to our tribe around the world. It's called the Becoming a King Retreat. And over the last 12 years, we've done 11 of these events that many of you may be familiar with, the Become Good Soil Intensive. It's a chance to dive deep, to um, fulfill the discipleship mission of Become Good Soil, to reach the many in order that we can find the few. And this event is our way of having an intimate experience over four days where we wrestle with all of the deep themes and the big ideas of the recovery of the gospel expressed in the mission of Become Good Soil. And so it flows through content and these intimate story group experiences and all of it, a very choreographed atmosphere and process for the masculine soul to participate in God's initiation of the man. The intensive is designed as an invitation for a man in a local community to go deep, to give their hearts to doing the work, the slow and steady process of apprenticeship to become the kind of son, the kind of king, the kind of man who God finds joy in entrusting the care of his kingdom. So over the years, we've curated that event 
and we filmed it. And what we've done over the last year is designed a plug-and-play model for men like you or you women listeners, men in your world that say, I want to go deeper and I want to do it with others and I want to offer it to the men in my community. And so it's by video session, the same experience that men have had for 12 years under our care in Colorado and Australia. And so it's all free. It's available to you. It's HD videos and supplemental materials and a beautiful rite of passage bestowing that you'll find more about and so much more. All of it's available at becomingakingretreat.com. So we designed this with a wide net where men of any age above 18 can participate in the experience. It doesn't require men having experience leading an event before, and men do not need to be well-versed in the mission or message of Wild at Heart or Become Good Soil. First-timers that are thirsty for God are welcome to this sort of event. And we've built an entire website that allows the ability for you to post your event on our site so we can champion your local event and send people there. So you can do it as a private event, you could do it as a public event, but if it's public, then we promote it to our entire tribe around the globe so people can find you because demand is really high for our Become Good Soil Intensive and supply is very low. And like we did with Wild at Heart, we're following suit with Become Good Soil. What we did with Wild at Heart is we had the boot camp for many years and then we launched the basic, which is boot camp by video session. And we've had thousands of men around the globe lead a local event. And we promote those events. And it's been a huge um, experience for men to be transformed and initiated and mature. And so we've launched the Becoming a King Retreat, all those resources available to you for free at becomingakingretreat.com. Let us know if you have questions. We'd love to see you take this gift, bring it to your world, and receive the upgrade and the full portion that God has for you as a man while you facilitate this event. Having said that, I want to go back to this episode and a long cultivated friendship that Sherry and I have deeply enjoyed with Jonathan David Helser and Melissa Helser. After years of walking with them as just fellow leaders entrusted with this recovery of the gospel in this moment, my sense was it's time for a podcast series. So we brought them in the studio and had some dialogue on their newest music release through the land I'm living in. And then we went back to Cageless Birds and featured some treasures from uh, an, an older era of their work. And all of it is intended to bring the life, the work, the message, the mission of Jonathan and Melissa Helser to this larger audience of Become Good Soil. We feature their music in many places, but in this series, we get to hear their ideas, their heart, their theology, what they sense God's inviting them to recover in the land in this hour. And as a total joy bomb, we've woven in some of their songs as well. So we get to hear the behind the scenes backstory of their hearts, and then we dive into the songs. So. This series is a flow from conversation, prayer, 
to worship encounters. And all of it is intended to be soul-strengthening for your hearts. Jonathan was one of my earliest guests for the Become Good Soil podcast back in episodes 34, 35, and 36, where we featured some of his other work. But in this series, we have the joy of going the next level deep because it's not just Jonathan. We have Melissa as well. And so, friends, with great excitement, with curiosity of what God will do through this for your heart, let's turn to episode one with Jonathan David and Melissa Helser. As I've just spent hours in your teaching, there's these kind of, I'll call it these whiskey shots, these curated (laughs) ideas of what I experience when I experience you as leaders. And so I just want to name them. And then I'd love for you to riff on them, like what that's about. And so let me just name five out of the gates when I think of the way you have been the face of God to us and, and to many. The best teachers are first students and you are students. You are risk takers in arenas that many people choose to play it safe that you have this value you've named um, trust over talent that's just disruptive. The fourth I'd say is, Melissa, you named this in one of your teachings that's really helped articulate something really important and so rare. You pastor people in the waiting. And I think the fifth kind of whiskey shot to start us out in this Become Good Soil um, fellowship is you guys usher in spontaneous worship in in a way that um, you live as renegades, you live on the frontier, you take huge risks. And you've said, Jonathan, that spontaneity is the reward for preparation. And, And you demonstrate creating space for God to do what God wants to do beyond even our understanding or imagination. And so I just wanna name those vignettes of, those are values that emulate out of you that um, saturate everything you do. Let's talk about those. What do you hear when I reflect that back to you? That's what I see in you. Well, first of all, I feel a lot of honor. Uh, (laughs) I feel seen. I feel known. um, And I feel inspired and challenged to live those out even more. Understood, too. Yeah, understood. Yeah. It's always so profound when someone reflects on your life and then says it back to you. I think it's very... It's very powerful. Yeah. I feel very, yeah, very understood. In a way, sometimes you don't understand yourself, right? Like, yeah. I love that. You want to start? I'll let you start. No, you start, sure. right? <laughs> I mean, I can. I, I think the best teachers are for students. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think that the commitment to learning is probably one of our highest commitments. Mm. Um, And I think that it releases a tremendous amount of pressure to arrive when there's a value system of learning. And I've I've seen it affect every part of our lives. I've seen it affect the way we do marriage, the way we do Mm. parenting, the way we lead, the way we pastor. the way uh, our presence on a tour when we're on a bus, you know, for and it's 
a lot and you're in different cities and just the commitment to we will never arrive. We are always learning. And I think for me, it gives me a lot of space to really receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Hmm. which I think very much in my late 20s, early 30s was like, as someone who's dealt with a chronic illness since I was in my teenage years, my friendship with the Holy Spirit has been everything. Growing up in even the charismatic, like a charismatic church, like I think coming into this place where I was very sick and really desiring to be able to get up in the morning and just do life without feeling like I was going to drown, right? And my my this like journey the Lord took me on of the gift that everything that Jesus fought for, right? It is the John 14, the like, I'm going to go away. I think that's John 14, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to leave. I, I got to go because I'm about to give you something awesome. You don't even know what it is, right? And I think <laughs> wow. when I, like my late 20s, early 30s was so much about that. Like, you're sending an advocate and help, a helper, a counselor, a teacher, And like that says to me, like if that was so much wrapped up in the cross and the gift that Jesus, you know, came and died and was resurrected for, that it's this tremendous presence that I get to access every single day. And I think for for us in in that time, it just gave so much space Mm. to like, oh, I'm never going to come to the end of needing the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I get to be in the posture of learner. I'm never going to outgrow my need for parenting, wow. for counsel, for for a teacher. Um, and it it just I, it released something. What you say mm-hmm. in us that in our especially in our 30s, um, and dealing with even my illness and everything, and then and then growing influence and all that stuff. Like there's this tremendous temptation to. Um, to act like you're you're done, you've arrived, you you know what you're doing. There's this tremendous temptation uh, to just sink into pride mm. and self sufficiency. Wow. And mm. I'm just so grateful that really before the Lord really started breathing on our music and in a different way, that He had established this um, need in our life that was really like nothing would satisfy it except that posture of, well, we're learning something new again, you know? And yes. like, I just love that the, the Lord actually, like so much of, there was no shame in that, right? Like right now we're in such an information age that it's it's like, there's so much shame when you don't know. And mm-hmm. I would say when in schools, retreats, all age groups, like the biggest thing we hit out of the gate is the the lie that I should have known this. I've been walking with the Lord for 25, 30 years, 40 years. I should have known what to do. I should have known this, right? And it just like, oh, it it, it sucks the life out of the beauty of walking with the Holy Spirit, walking with mm. Christ, walking with the heart of the Father, the mothering heart of God every day, right? The access to, to parenting and not actually having to arrive. So I think that one— it's, I mean, it's my favorite thing to say probably to the people I, I lead— my kids, like, I'm learning. I'm learning this about myself. Yes. I've never had a 20-year-old and 16-year-old. So 
I am a 20-year-old parent and I'm here learning how do I mother a 20-year-old son? Like, and it's it's just, it's released. It's like taking the cap off of this tremendous pressure to just know, like I'm like I'm supposed to know. And so hmm. just posture to learn, like it lifts the pressure. That yoke, right? That's just like you have to know it isn't there. So Yeah. I think with the learning, just to tag along with that and a few thoughts, is every time the angels come to worship, they are learning something new of the face of God. Every time the elders fall down and get up off their face yeah. again and, and behold who He is, they're like, oh, that's something I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. um, even in the driest moments of worship where it takes everything mm -hmm. just to lift your voice or lift your hands, and in the moments where it's just easy, yeah. um, I, that's been part of the posture is like each time we come, like I want to learn something new about who the Father is for me, who Jesus is as a friend, as a king, who yeah. the Holy Spirit is and his nearness and his intimacy. Um, and the risk for us, the yeah. risk taking, I yeah. think for me, the scariest thing is to answer the 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 question that God originally asked, where are you? And it's in those moments mm -hmm. of worship to dare to actually answer that question like, this this is where I am, God. Right. Um, and I think that's the... Mm -hmm. I, it's almost like it's not spontaneous worship. I was just thinking it's more like conversational worship um, in mm. the sense of like, it is spontaneous in that it wasn't prepared beforehand. Um, but I think about like me and Melissa have this specific restaurant that we love to go on dates at. Um, and we were talking like, should we find another restaurant? <laughs> um, but we're like, you know, as you're getting older, you're kind of like, but we know mm -hmm. every time we go to that spot, we feel safe it's gonna be awesome. and it's going to be awesome. And we're yes. going to explore each other's heart and conversation. There is going to be... And it'll be, it'll be new and different. Yes. Yeah. yeah but right. we're going back to the same table, probably ordering yeah. the same thing a lot of the times. Yes. But it's, and I think for us, that's what a lot of spontaneous worship is. It's, it's mm. like, we're going to go back to this table. We're going to use this song and we're going to sit down at this song that we've sung a hundred, 200 times, but it'll be different this time because we're, we're yeah. more ourselves than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. We're not hiding as much as we were yesterday and we're daring to be known by him and daring to actually tell him what we're feeling and 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 like and then a conversation begins to happen and i think that's what you see in the psalms is david mm -hmm. daring not to hide but to give his broken honest broken bleeding heart to god and then you see these conversations begin to emerge between david's heart and god's heart and for us that's so much of what spontaneity is in worship it's sure. this place of telling God he's beautiful, and then all of a sudden, the God who could hold stars in his hands steps into the room, and he begins to speak identity over you. Mm -hmm. And those are the, yeah. that's, the, worship is this place of conversation. Mm -hmm. And the risk is, am, am I going to dare to give it all again this time? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. and I've just seen so many moments where, speaking of risk-taking, where I'll just watch Melissa across the room, and I'm like, She's gonna do it. Like she's gonna mm. she's gonna break mm. the bottle like Jesus did, like the the woman did at Jesus's feet. And you know, everyone in the room is questioning, like, why this waste? And I know with the illness that she deals with, I know the next morning there's gonna be a cost for how much she gave. 
but she's mm. like, he's so worth it. Um, and even even watching her lead the the fifty five women that were just on our land this weekend, I mean, I just watched her like this lioness step up and and lead these women into this place of mm. freedom. And I knew like. Her body's going to pay for that a little bit tomorrow, but she wants to give you everything, Jesus. And just the risk that I've watched you take in worship. Um, you know, they say it's the female lions that do the hunting. I've just seen, sure so, I've seen so many <laughs> moments where I'm like, my wife is a lioness, and she takes these risks in worship that just calls me to be very proud of her as a husband. Mm. Thanks, babe. I think with the risk, like early in my 20s when I started leading worship, which I didn't grow up singing, leading, and I started really writing songs when I got really sick because I would watch Jonathan get this tremendous relief when he would sit down the piano or the guitar, like all that like life pressure, right, you mm. know, that just builds up. And I would watch him like worship the Lord and get relief, and I was like— I need that relief. Like I it's yes. I need something beyond just praying, praying, praying or reading my Bible or journaling. Like I need music brings that oil. It's there's a there is a flow to it. I think it's one of the greatest gifts God gave us, right? And I and so when I started writing and 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 singing and experiencing this like pressure valve open and something release out of wow. my soul. Um, and there was a communion that happened in my 20s that was very sacred that that I was experiencing with the Lord in song. And but but in as I started leading, like I came face to face with the the two major lies. Like I am not enough and I am too much. <laughs> and it's that ping between like I would get off the stage and it would be like I'd hear the voice of like, oh, if you would have just given a little more, then all these people would have had breakthrough, right? That I am not enough. And then if, and then it was like, oh, that was so much. Why did you do all of that? Like that, we didn't really need all that, right? And those two lies, I'm not enough and I'm too much, like just pinged. And as just speaking of like, I think one of the greatest risks we actually have taken is to risk doing emotional health with the Lord and to figure out what are those lies and where are they actually rooted? And God, what is where are you leading us into a new place, right? Because I think my confidence in the Lord, which I people talk to me about a lot, like you're so confident when you worship. And I'm like, I did years of work with the Lord yep. to address mm. those lies. So that yes. when I would get in the middle of worship and I would feel the Holy Spirit say, let's go over there, I would not get into the like, is it going to be too much? Is it not going to be enough? Right. Like I, and I, we were able, like I've, we've just been fighting for that clarity with the Lord. And that never, you don't do that fight on a microphone in front of people, like you do that fight alone or with your spouse or with your community or with your children, right? You're fighting those lies so that we could get up and take risk. Like, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So and good. I think that's part of, I felt that this weekend leading, I've never, honestly, I've never been in a room with just women leading worship. Wow. And wow. so I was like, man, I fought really hard. I mean, 15 years I've been fighting 
for like this moment. Like I, it felt so powerful to be surrounded by women that were all learning tools and like really asking the Lord to show them what lies they're believing so that we could take a risk. Like, and I, I felt that. I felt the like, oh man, I'm not, those those lies aren't actually, they're not, they're not there, you know? And it was so powerful. We actually I had a moment that was unlike anything I've ever experienced. We got done with this crazy, we were praying over their families, children, you know, communities, friends. And we got done and I turned around and I I closed my eyes and everything went silent. It was this, one of the strangest moments I've ever experienced leading worship. It was like I went into like a total, like a soundproof room. Internally, wow. like my soul, my mind, my heart, everything went, whew. I mean, it just went like silent. It was incredible. I felt the presence of God so intensely. And I'm sitting in a room with like 75 women, right? Plus like all of our staff. And and it was for like 30 seconds, which is a really long time when you're leading people, mm-hmm. right? And I'm yes. like, oh my God, what's happening? You know, like I felt that temptation to be like, what's happening? But again, I just am so like, what is God doing right now? Like wait on him. Like I just felt that like wait on the Lord. And and like in the silence, I heard the Lord speak to me. And this is what he said. He said, praying women change history. And I, and it like just shot. It was so crazy. I was like, oh my, I like, and I, I, the, I felt the word of the Lord just shoot through me. And I was like, man, and I started praying it. I wasn't even singing it really. And something like a roar rose up in the room. It was so profound. And it wasn't just the like, just just praying. Like the whole weekend we had been doing these deep emotional health tools to actually pray powerfully, right? Like, let's do the work. Search me and know me, God. Know my anxious thoughts. Like, lead me to the way. And it was just the most beautiful moment. But I, I was like, man, that moment happened because we come into every single worship set with the like, what do you want to do, Jesus? Where do you want to go? We are friends. Like, you know, when you become a friend of God, there's a lot of confidence when you're with people, leading people, because you're his friend all the time. That nothing changes when you get in front of people, or you're right. Like there's that cultivation mm-hmm. of his presence. And I think that just coming into those those moments of worship, they're so it just feels easy to take risk, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Because yes. he's never led me to a place that I didn't want to go. <laughs> like that he's too trustworthy. Like I'm like, you never lead me to a place I, I don't want to go. And and it it it's so profound to just feel that like that pioneering heart is a learning heart. Pioneers pioneers were willing to learn and go places yes. they didn't know mm. where they were going and so what good. was going to be there and but there was a trust, right? And it's I think for us it's not that it's not that we think that the spontaneity is more valuable than the song. It's just the like, oh, this is where we give God space because he's so trustworthy like and every time he shows up trustworthy 
And he, he, I think he, I, I know that he loves that about us, that he loves that we're gonna, we're gonna do the song, but then we're just gonna talk to the Lord and he gets to love (laughs) on his people. And we don't get in these moments where, you know, if you, like you said, going on a date and if only one person talks, it's not really a date. And I, I love that about, yeah, the risk I think that we take. It is, it is interwoven with the, like, we are learners. Every moment we're learning. Mm-hmm. That moment was so powerful because I was like, man, I have to wait on the Lord. Like, we can't just go to another song. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this silence? Like, what is this about? Yeah, and I was in the room. I, me and the drummer and the guitar player, the only three men in the room with, uh, you know, with like 80 lionesses. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Melissa just started saying, praying women change history. She, she, it was like a whisper when she started. And these women began to just roar, praying women change history. And it was, it was a terrifying moment as a man to be in that room. Yes. <laughs> like it, it really, I was like, oh. this is like, I literally feel like I'm in a room of Linus's that are like, and, and history makers that are changing history, changing legacies, changing nations. Um, it was a, it was, it was wonderfully terrifying to be in that room and hear you guys pray that. Yeah. Um, and it also caused me to realize like, it's my mother's prayers. It's my grandmother's prayers. That's it's, right. it's women in my, you know, my history that have prayed for me. And it's the only reason I'm here too. It's not just the big history. It's the everyday. It's the children. It's the lineage, the legacy, the showing up for your everyday life is what changes history, right? Like, and I think that moment was at the end of just three days of an intensive, like we're going deep in their hearts. And hmm. it it was like just the seal, the kiss of God to just say like, this work is worth it. Like, hmm. Hmm. so. You know, Melissa, you made a comment in an earlier teaching that just really um, resonates with what you're sharing, where you, you, you made a passing comment where you said, we're in our forties now and we really don't want to plow through this. Like, and it just, it was an aside, but what you're describing, and we're going to turn towards your new album because of this, is you're describing a process that you've always had a heart for God, and you've always given your gifting over to Him, but you're not who you were in your 20s or your 30s. You're describing a maturation process. And so I'm so curious, like, what is it that maybe in light of what you just shared in your experience at that women's retreat that you might have rushed through compared to this desire to cultivate the soil, the slow and steady, like even in this moment of silence, like what's what's matured, what's shifted in you that you actually didn't have in your 20s, would you say? Oh, 100% dependency on the Lord. Like I think... You, you learn dependency through living life with God, right? Like in my 20s, I love to put on my hero cape and just be like, God, I can do this for you. <laughs> you know, wow. like I'm wow, that's so a intense. <laughs> I can absolutely bring this breakthrough for you. And, <laughs> and the Lord, he's so kind, right? Like he's just like, oh, I love your passion. And then as you commit to the Lord, there's just, 
there's this beautiful place where it's just dependency. Like he, 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 in my, in the secret part of my life, like meaning the hiddenness of my marriage, my children, all this stuff, he, it, he worked out all of that self-sufficiency, you know? And I think, I do think my illness had a lot to do with it. I've often wondered what would I have been able to do without this illness? Like, wow. There's, I'm like, wow, Lord, I could have done so much more. <laughs> and then, mm. and then I'm like, but would I know you in the way I know you? Like, would I, mm. would I have learned this steady patience with you? And would I be who I am today? I, I don't know that I, I would have. Um, mm. And the gift of, and I know this might mess with some people's theology. But I think the, I love that. Yeah, the gift of <laughs> the gift of my illness is that it's created a tremendous desperation for the God of the everyday. And I have had to depend on the God that shows up for every single day. Mm-hmm. And wow. and in that have um, just learned a just such a deep reliance on just the presence of God that shows up every single day. And I think as a worship leader now, as opposed to my 20s where I would run ahead, and but the Lord was, so, again, He was so kind. He would just be like, this is awesome, you know, and then afterwards we talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> but yes. I think, you know, I think now I it the the everyday life has created such a a tethering, like right? I'm so tethered to the presence of God that when I step into worship, it doesn't really change much. It's just we're partnering together to love people. And I think as a pastor, that is probably something a little different from the way I, because leading worship wouldn't be my like my first love. Pastoring would counseling, discipleship would be my first love for sure. Mm. But getting to do that through song, again, that changed my life in my twenties. Like getting to connect with the Lord through song was very different than the other part of my connection, and I think. Having the, the like, it is such a gift to be able to do that through song to look, to pastor people into a belief system about the Lord that is true. Like, it's one thing to say He's good, you know, He's good, He's good, He's good. You know that frantic, He's good, <laughs> when we don't actually really believe that He's good. But it's another thing to do the work of relinquishing all of the lies we believe. And then settling into no, God is faithful, and He absolute He does show up. It might not always be the way you want, but He does show up. And I think I've just experienced that every day, and I, it's created just such a tremendous dependency on the Lord. Mm. And when He comes, when I'm leading worship, it's just it's not it's never a surprise. I think it's like I'm like oh. Where do you want? Like you're here because you're all, you <laughs> right. always show up. This is what like, we here do. We are, you know. Yes. It just never is like, oh my gosh, the Lord really came. I'm like, wow, I, I don't experience that surprise anymore. 
Um, yes. And I, I'm happy about it. Like I'm, I'm glad about it. Cause I think that that is a mark of trust, right? That, that I, I actually want him, I want to feel his presence more in my everyday life than I do on the stage for, mm. for sure. So the fact that those moments are just an extension, you know, I don't think I would have waited that long. Again, like 30 seconds to a minute doesn't seem like long, but it, when you're leading, it's quite, that's, that's a lot, that's a long silent pause, you know, and I think I just look at him like, oh man, I've just grown in trust. Mm. Like I don't feel responsible because the Lord is, is going to do what he wants to do, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and we get to do it together. So I've stopped, I've stopped a long time saying the Lord used me. I don't love the word use. Mm. We, we say that very, very flippantly, like, well, God used you. I'm like, no, the Lord partnered with me because we're friends. We're both committed to loving people. And so I get to show up and do that with him every day. I don't feel used by the Lord. Mm. Um, I feel I feel the camaraderie, right? I feel the like mm. if I show up, he's gonna show up in power because he's faithful. So Yes. Melissa, the phrase that's just kind of reverberating in my soul reflecting back what I hear you say is you've become the kind of woman who has a God-sized life and a God-shaped life. From your everyday to on stage, from your hidden to your public, there is something very holy about the maturing process, the practicing of becoming God-shaped and God-sized. Yeah, I love that. And that's beautiful. Yeah, yes. I love that. I think in some ways, all that you just shared, both of you, is really the introduction to this newest album, which was a part of why I wanted to bring you here because this, even album is is too small to encapsulate what this is. It's a, it's a work of art. It's a architecture for the presence of God. And you have been entrusted with something beautiful and you've brought it out of your maturing, not arriving, but out of your maturing. And this album, The Land I'm Living In, I'm just really honored to bring it to um, this global community of apprentices. I'd love to hear your take on it. Like, what is this album? What was, you conceived it? I mean, there's these wild things of like doing it live instead of in a studio, like you, you forsook best practices <laughs> and you did something altogether risky, daring, different, cultivating presence, preparing in order so you could go off the diving board into the spontaneity, not knowing what's gonna happen. You had an, a room full of people like, tell me, tell us more, the land I'm living in, like what was that about? And what do we have here? First of all, the title of the land I'm living in is is that we recorded it on the land we're living in here in uh, the heart of North Carolina. Uh, we've been married 22 years this April, and um, we joined my parents um, in this, this ministry called A Place for the Heart, 50 acres of land. Uh, the first year we were married, we hosted a a high school worship camp. We called it the creative worship camps. And the whole dream of it was to get um, high schoolers here and to really teach them how to um, 
engage the presence of God uh, and teach them how to pray, how to worship, and how to. And we use creativity as this avenue for them to connect with God. Long story short, that worship camp turned into a, a discipleship school called the Eighteen Inch Journey. Um, we just finished our 14th year of that school. So for 22 years, we've been pouring into the next generation here on the land. Um, we built a house on the backside of the land. And this is our, gosh, we our first album was in 2005. So 17 years ago, we recorded our first album. And when we came to record this batch of songs, we could have gone to, could have really gone to any studio we wanted to. We, and we're like, we want to record on the land that we've given ourselves into discipleship, where we've poured our hearts into it. Um, the room that we were in didn't re- it was a barn. It did, didn't make sense to record an album in this room. And I remember us looking at the building like, God, should we record an album in here? And it, that was one of the risks, you know? Uh, and then we're like, who should we put in this room? And we're like, let's invite 14 years of alumni to come back into the room with us. Um, and we could have filled it with lots of friends, uh, lots of different influencers. And we're like, no, we want, we want lives that their story changed in on this land. So when they're singing these songs, like they are singing the testimony of how they met God on this land. Yeah, I mean, that first night we were... Like, how many people were in the room? Probably just about a hundred. Yeah, yeah, eighty to hundred. And we were looking around the room. We we're like, it's that you know that moment where you just you like know that you made a good choice. Yes. <laughs> it's like such a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful feeling. And I think we were just sitting there. We were looking around, and I was like, I have history with every person in this room. Like, yep. legitimate. Watch them transform and give in to Jesus and yield and surrender. And I've been in worship with every person in this room, like wild, um, tender, high, high, low, low, like beautiful, beautiful seasons. And it was just the most overwhelming feeling. I don't know that we, I mean, we felt like this is gonna be a really good idea, but we were unprepared for the safety it created for us. Like to just look around Mm. and be like, Wow, we have history with every person in this room. Like, because one of the things that I really, we really felt in the beginning was like, we just don't want to put on a show. Like, we're in our 40s. Like, we're not, like, we want to gather what's been growing. We don't want to put on a, a worship concert. Like, we just, and then capture it. Like, we really wanted it to feel like, you know, 20 years of worshiping the Lord on this land. So it it was like, it was so crazy beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think one way to sum it up is we wanted to make an authentic, true offering. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can see in our 20s and 30s, there was a lot of pressure to prove something yeah. every time we did an album, yeah. uh, and we would we would probably we wouldn't probably we wouldn't admit it in our twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still a pressure to prove something in our forties, but we we are just we're like that armor of Saul. You know, when David had Saul's armor on, he's like, I can't fight like this. Like mm-hmm. I got to go to my stream and I got to yeah. get the rocks and I got to fight like the way I do when no one's watching. It felt like when we were in that room, it was like no one was watching. We were all all there yep. together, dipping our hand in the river, picking up the stones, mm-hmm. and and it just felt like the most true offering. For sure, um, you know, and even the 
we had our son Cadence, who's 20 now. He's filming. He he led the whole. I mean, there's nine cameras rolling the Which whole time. Which we've never done that. We've never filmed. Wow. Yeah. Anything like that. But Melissa said the cameraman that can get the closest to us is Cadence. Like I want Cadence right <laughs> beside us. <laughs> the oh. other cameraman, you got to stay away a little bit. But just even like to have this wingman have this like armor bearer right beside us, who's our son, just carrying this project. Um, and That's I mean, crazy. Yeah, it was. So it, it just feels like a very authentic, true offering of what we've mm-hmm. given our life to. And I think, too, like we have intentionally kept this school very small because yeah. we want to do the discipleship like Jesus did. He had moments with the thousands, but it was with the few that he was building. Um, and we have so many people who want to come to this land and, and you know, uh, do the school, but we don't have room for the thousands. And I think part of the way we wanted to for this album to be a gift to the world is for people to be able to experience what happens on this land through watching the videos or listening to the music. Uh, in a sense, they get to be in the room with us. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that was the risk for us. Yeah. It was like, we're going to actually let people look in, even just filming the whole thing. Like, we're going to give them a window into what we've actually been doing for the last 22 years. Like, we we haven't been doing the thousands and that's been very intentional. Like we unapologetically don't only do the thousands. Like that's just not what we've given our life to. And I think being able to just settle in and like we did three days in a row and we did two takes of each song. And I just told, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not fixing my hair. I'm not putting on a bunch of makeup. I like, I want to walk down from my house the way mm. I do during our schools mm. and our nights of worship there and give and make an authentic offering to the Lord. Like I want God to say, we've been here before. Like this is Jonathan Melissa coming again. Like the faithfulness of just showing up. The rhythm of that has been very, it's the truest rhythm we have that the thousands can't experience. And it's, mm. I think to be able to capture that rhythm, does that make sense? Like that yeah. rhythm of showing up with our students and showing up with our community that's very small and just mm. the consistency of that well-worn path with the Father, the Son, with the Holy Spirit, and mm. then just being like, okay, now let we have new songs. Let's just capture it here. Like this is what we've been sowing into the soil. Like the, the harvest is ripe. Let's just gather now. And it it felt just so true. I think that was more than anything we wanted to tell a true story. And that, because the truest story we could tell is here on our land. It's not in a beautiful theater, which we love doing stuff like that, or an arena or something like that with thousands of people. It's the truest story we could tell is here on our land with like 75 to 100 people alumni, people that are committed to the work and just worshiping our hearts out. Like that is mm. the truest story we we could actually tell. And there was something different about it. Being in our 40s, we're like, what do we want to do? Like, mm. let's, let's do what we want to do. Like, let's actually just do what we want to do, you know? And it just felt amazing. And I think the culmination of the every time we go into an album, it's for me, because of the way I started writing music, is the songs are normally an expression of what's happening for me personally. But this was this one was really different. Like 
even coming into it, I kept saying, God, what's on your heart? What's on your heart as we are going to a writing season? And and the Lord spoke to me very clearly, said, Melissa, what do you want a generation to sing? Hmm. What are the words that you want them wow. to declare? What do you want to hear them sing? And I'm like, whoa, okay, that's really different than I normally, than for me, that I normally write. And so then to have alumni that we've led and discipled and pastored, it just felt so true. Cause I'm like, this is, we really, we wrote this album for a generation of overcomers. Like, and just to have former students in the room was so special. I mean, all 14 years were represented. It felt like the harvest of our of our life, like was, is people more than songs and albums and plays and all of it. Like the, we, the harvest for us is lives transformed and to, to choose that and be surrounded by that was just profound. Hmm. And it worked. Yeah. It worked, you <laughs> guys. Come on. Like I just I, I have celebrated so many times away from you, but now I'm here. I want to say, like, way to risk, way to love. Like, and, and Melissa, so many times when you're like, I've never fill in the blank. I've we've never filmed like this. You know, we've never risked just like this. And God came. And I think even to take it a step further, you described, okay. You wanted people to appear in the window to be a part of what they were doing. Yeah, like, yeah. Melissa, you and Jonathan opened the front door and you gave us a seat at your table because I can tell you, I've never been to 18 inch journey. I've never been to your land, never been to a place for the heart, but I am an apprentice and I'm a student and I am one whom, whom you are pastoring from mm. far away. Wow. And even the first song, you know, Jonathan, you were gracious to send me the album a while back and how did it this Dropbox file on my phone and I was waiting for like just the right time. And just, it was like a surprising Christmas morning that I got to choose which day was Christmas. And, and so the introduction for the album for me, um, I was on a hunt with my son and his great uncle. And it was his great uncle is handicapped, passionate hunter, farmer from the Midwest, pretty banged up. And this was his last great hunt. Mm. And, this is where Joshua harvested his first cow elk on his first big game hunt, um, maybe six years ago. And so now fast forward six years later, he's 17, he's guiding his great uncle and we're driving in the darkness. They're in a truck in front of me, I'm behind. And there is this moonrise coming over this lake at Trinidad State Park and no one's on the road. It's seven degrees, icy cold. And Jesus said, now's the time, open up that album. And I'm watching this moonrise over the truck with my son, who's becoming a man. And it's a different season. And, and there's, there's, there's places in me so excited for what God's doing in this young man's life and what he has done in his faithfulness to come as a father and father us both as his sons. And then there was also this place of real depletion in me. I, I was beat up and banged up. And in pouring out for so many, wow. I'd run out of oil. Yeah. You know, I was just yeah. depleted. Wow. And and Jonathan, when you took us in, I am your beloved, that was the first song I went to. And just that revelation, that that announcement that echoes and reverberates on the world that I've never heard spoken quite like it of the one who knows me best 
is the one who loves me most. And those words just came like a roar. And Melissa, to your point of those lies of I'm not enough and I'm too yeah. much. And yeah. they're constantly yeah. right. like a ping pong match. Yeah. And right in between them is the safest place that the one who knows me best in all of those failures and limitations is the one who mm, loves me most. On. Like this groaning and sobbing came out of me that it was it was guttural and, and embarrassing. If anyone else would have heard it, I'm in my own truck and this moon is rising and God is in this place. And so literally I was in the place of the heart. I was an, uh, the anointing that you have on that land is also an anointing to pastor a generation and it works. That was the effect of God through that first song on the album. So I'm just so curious, like I'm your beloved. Give me your intro. What what was that about when you captured it? Yeah. Have you told him the moon story? Well, we could, we could do a whole podcast about <laughs> the full moons that showed up. I just sent that track to a few friends ahead of time, um, you know, to have a sneak peek of it. And when you sent me back the full moon story, I, I read it to half our staff because I'm like, this is crazy. Because we had, I'm not going to go into it because there's so many God stories, but we had like five different moments where it was God through a full moon, literal, literal full moon moments where God's like, you're on the right path. Um, with yeah, the, with wild. the producer that we were choosing a producer for an album is a huge deal because you're entrusting it's like an editor for a book you're entrusting them with the story and they just have so much beautiful power yeah. to help navigate yeah. the direction of it um, and we really seek the Lord anytime we choose a producer and one story with it when I showed the producer the song I'm your beloved he had had a moment he had a full moon moment with one of our songs like two years earlier he had told us this story he encountered God's love in the in the Arizona desert yeah he said like he was literally in one of the toughest seasons of his life and he's driving and um Outrageous Love came on, which from is our a, last from album. our last album, and and he pulled over in the Mojave Desert. Yeah, pulled over on the side of the road, and the full moon was rising mm. up. And he said that it literally felt like the Lord turned on a flashlight into his soul and said, <laughs> "I see you, I see, I see you." <laughs> and so that was how we met David. Yeah. His name's David Leonard. Um, he he led the band All Sons and Daughters. Um, uh, for a long time, the Great okay. Are You Lord song David wrote. He's just a phenomenal songwriter, producer. Uh, but that's how we met David. He tells us this story about the full moon. And, you know, we're just like, okay, he he's like experienced God through our music and we're still getting to know him. And later that night, after he's told us his full moon story, we're showing him our first song, I'm Your Beloved. And we're in our living, in living room, living yeah. room upstairs playing him, I'm Your Beloved. And I have my back towards the window. I'm playing it for him. The Spirit of the Lord fills the room in a really special way. It's just me and the guitar. We get to the end of the song, and I look across the room at David, and it looks like he's seen a ghost, and he just points out the window, and we look behind us, and there's a massive full moon coming up over Come our house. Um, and, and we have never seen the moon in that place in our house, like coming right uh, up over our back deck. 
Yeah, I've it never, was yeah, so it bizarre. Was huge I'm like, too. What is that? Uh, but it was just one of those moments, like God's like this. Well, and David, David means the beloved, you know. Uh, so and for David, so and awesome. so this this song for our producer David was really special. Oh. And then we had three or four other full moon moments. No, uh, it was crazy. The night we recorded the album, it was a full moon. It was just it, it became so many times we're like this is crazy, God. So when you send that message, I'm like. This is kind of getting creepy. Yeah. Like, wow. wow. These full, like, this is yes. on that song specifically. Yeah. Yes. But that song specifically, um, if there could be a song to me that, if it was a, a soundtrack for what students encounter here on the land, yes. Um, coming. Um, and so much of the school is getting out of the noise of the world. The song opens with, I've heard the accusation, I've heard the propaganda, I've heard the lies, the enemies whispered to my soul. And we see so many students come through these gates and with so many lies, so much accusation, and on this land get baptized in their belovedness. Yeah. Um, they uh, Another voice enters the story and they begin to discover they are loved by the Father. Before yeah. their first breath, they were chosen and they were known and they were seen by him. Um, and it's our story as well. I mean, we're still on that journey of learning uh, that his voice defines us and these voices of I'm not enough and I don't have what it takes and these lies, this propaganda that the enemy has been speaking over us our whole life begin to fall away in that place where we hear the Father's voice say, you're my beloved, you're my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And it's so much of what the school's about and it's so much of what our journey's been about. Um and so the, we were like, this has to open the album. Like this is the, the this is what this land has been saturated in. Is this message of belovedness? Yeah, yeah. Even the where we went to spontaneously, it was just so connected to our commitment to discipleship. Right. It was just I can hear the sound of a generation coming home. Like I. It was just so beautiful. And at the end of that song is probably one of the most tender moments for me on the album. I'm like, man, when I when I listen back to it, I'm like, this is this is my heart for a generation, right? Like that he's the one that always comes and meets us on the road. I mean, it that whole the whole journey of that, um, which is pretty long, 20 plus 22 minutes. 22 long, minutes. Long. So um, good. <laughs> it's so it's so true to like, you know. Where we were born in worship was like, take your time. We're not in a rush. And so, but even getting to the end, I remember listening back to that because it's very vulnerable to put out something where you're totally breaking down, you know, like it's, oh, it's like, it's naked, uh, oh, naked it's, and unashamed. It's so, so vulnerable. And I'm like, oh man, like, Lord, do I really, is this what I really want to do? Like, it's because it, it's it's a big deal for me because I go there a lot in worship, but it's never filmed and you know put out there as actually part of a song. And I think it was just so beautiful when we listened back and mm. we got to the end. And I was like, I, I looked at David, our producer. I'm like, can I just hear it again? He's like, you know, I just don't think we should listen to this again. It's so sacred. Mm. We made an offering to the Lord, and I was like, you're right, like. We're not, I'm not listening to this again until it's released. And yeah, so I think just the whole journey of it was so sacred. Like mm. there's no anger in the eyes of the Lord. Like he is the father that runs down our prodigal road, 
it's just like the whole song was crazy. I mean, the sheer like energy in the room when we did that one specifically. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, mm. this is the roar of the 18th journey right here. And Melissa, for God to use your willingness to risk to create the anthem in song to the 18-inch journey, and then to be able to invite this larger school, like that you're pastoring beyond your borders, beyond your, you know, your property, physical borders, to be a part of it. And I'll even reflect back to you. So I was leading our staff in a prayer time last week, and we were doing some worship, and I used that song the full 22 minutes for the first time, and our <laughs> Come whole on. staff was there with you leading us in all the emotional well-being of a woman who's cultivated the intimacy with her God, literally allowed our staff as a fellowship to go to that place corporately. Wow. Wow. And so it works, and it's allowing just God is entrusting to your care a greater influence for the anointing for your school. And I'll even say it this way to encourage you, you are reaching the thousands without having to compromise the model of intimate discipleship. So good, man. Mm. So good. (laughs) Friends, on this podcast, we have the joyful privilege to actually go into that song. And so now rather than talk about it, We're going to use that as an introduction and invite you to take the next 22 minutes or more, if you need it, to saturate yourself in this message that the one who knows you best is the one who loves you most.
sound of a generation coming home. I can hear the sound of a generation coming
was running down my road, covering me with affection and clothing me in mercy. We cannot outrun your love. We cannot outrun your love. Always running. You're always running. You're always running. Covering me in affection and clothing me in mercy. We drink it in. Drink it in. We drink it in. It's not one time, not two times, not a hundred times. It's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times. We drink it in.
friends, my invitation is to linger, to stay in the space, to not rush past God and what he might be doing in this moment for your soul. So I just want to linger in some silence with you as we come to the close of that worship experience. Father, what is it that you're bringing to my soul in this moment? Let's linger here together for a bit. Jonathan, Melissa, you have entrusted a prophetic message to our soul in the song that the one who knows us best is the one who loves us most. So friends, I want to just linger in prayer that we could receive that, that what if, what if the one who knows everything about us is the one who loves us most? What would be the next step in my heart as a son or as a daughter, to receive that revelation, to allow that revelation to be ingested in my being, to come home to this radical acceptance of a father, a father that through Jesus Christ gives us equal access to his heart, to his inheritance, to his intentions, that his gaze towards us is bright and generous and kind, It's not condemning. It's filled with care, kindness, strength, and assurance. Father, I speak your prophetic message, standing with Melissa and Jonathan in this moment. The one who knows us best is the one who loves us most. We receive it. We say, I am your beloved. I am your favorite one. How would I become your favorite one? How do I follow in the steps of one of your earliest disciples, John, who came into this revelation of, I am fully and deeply loved? Holy Spirit, would you reveal in my soul the place of reluctance or the part of me that's resistant to that love? I'm asking for you to show me what's in the way. And Jesus, I pray that you would prompt me of when to come back, when to be nourished at this fountain, when to receive from the river of life. It can saturate the weary places in my soul, saturate the dry places in my soul. Would you shepherd me? through their work, and through this gift. I receive you afresh. I receive this revelation, and I ask for more, more of me to come home to more of you.
I receive you, Jesus. I receive you, Spirit. I receive you, Father. I declare I am your beloved. Amen. Jonathan, Melissa, thank you for joining me for this first episode. And friends, we're just getting started. In the meantime, wherever music is sold or downloaded or listened to or streamed, you can find Jonathan David and Melissa Helser. You can look at jonathanhelser.com or their beautiful creative cooperative at cagelessbirds.com, which we'll tell you about more in the next episode. But friends, dive in deep to the gifts and the treasures created by these great hearts and tune in for the next episode where we go even deeper into the work entrusted to their care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Become Good Soil podcast.